You know who I can do without? I can do without the people in the video store. Which ones? All of them. This is Massive Late Fee with Mike and Mark. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me, as always, is my co-host, Mike. How are you doing, Mike? Not too bad. And yourself? Good. We've had a good week here at Massive Late Fee. As always, I've got some interesting things that I want to talk about this week, Mike. But there's the Emmys came out this week. I'm going to save that for tomorrow's show. I've got I've got a few things that I want to talk about as far as the the Emmy nominations go, and I think you'll actually be kind of interested in them for once. Oh, uh, I won't spoil the part about how the Watchmen got all those uh, nominations either. Oh, okay, that's that's cool. <laughs> That is one of the main things I want to talk about because I, I came across it on Yahoo.com. Uh-huh. Did you? Wow, Yahoo! Did you did you see what they were actually nominated for? No, I, I didn't have that much time to do that. I was in the middle of something. All right, awesome. Uh, so what the really important thing that I want to talk about though is Iggy Azalea, Azalea showing off her baby waist uh, after announcing her son's birth. No, I'm joking. I don't give a fuck about that. Uh, no, what I want to what I want to talk about is does that, does that headline imply that she considers the baby to be waste? Apparently, yes. Here's my baby waste. This little fuck. <laughs> this is waste that I expelled from my body, and I'm so fancy, or whatever the fuck she sings. Um, no, what I want to talk about is there were several notable deaths. And one of them, obviously the one that dominated the news, was Regis Philbin. See, I feel that didn't really dominate the news. Like it, It's like almost like an afterthought. Like, oh yeah, the Regis Philbin died. What did he die of? Do you know? I mean, was did he just die uh, of... It was listed as natural causes. So yeah. to me, natural causes is anything. Yeah. Except for like, you know, like getting hit in the head with like a baseball bat and that kind of shit. Like skateboarding <laughs> accidents, you know? Right. <laughs> Except for uh, somebody taking a uh, fishing hook and stabbing it through your eye. <laughs> that seems pretty unnatural. I guess, yeah, I mean, is autoerotic asphyxiation I mean, natural? <laughs> hey, this is a moral question here. <laughs> exactly. Whenever I think about that topic, I get all choked up. Yep. Oh, man. But yeah, yeah I know. I, uh, you know, of course... It's just natural causes. Everybody's going to think... You know, anytime somebody dies, everyone thinks, was it coronavirus? I don't think so. I think he just died of being 89 years old. Oh, I heard that was a media hoax anyways. Oh, that, that he was 80, that he turned 89? Oh, no, the uh, coronavirus. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's right. <laughs> no need to wear masks, everyone, because it's, it's, that's, that's why we don't have a, an audience this week. They're... I... <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I think you need to listen to fax news. Correct. Call it. That's right. Uh, <laughs> uh, wear your masks, you fuckers. Some of us want to send our kids to school in the fall. I mean, you know, like some of us want to feel safe doing that. So could could you wear your fucking masks? There is news, though, about. Oh, and the, the yeah, other you death. It doesn't sell very well. What? MAGA masks. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> How conflicting is that? Right. Oh my goodness. 
Oh, the the other the other big death was John Saxon, the great John Saxon, who played the dad slash sheriff in the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Say, I I bet I've heard the guy I've heard the name the guy died, but I just didn't know who he was in Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm not very familiar with those movies, so I I still don't know who he is. Oh, okay. Well, he was the dad. He was he was uh, Heather Lanningkamp's dad in. The Nightmare on Elm Street movie, the original Nightmare on Elm Street movie, wasn't also uh, there was some like person who was like 104 years old, like an actress that died as well. Oh, Olivia De Havilland. Maybe I think was, she... there, was there another 104 year old that died this week that I might be confusing her with <laughs> another actress? No, I don't think so. I think she's the only 104 year old actress specifically. <laughs> oh, okay, that was in Gone with the Wind. Oh, who is she in Gone with the Wind, baby? <laughs> no, I don't. I didn't. I didn't see it. That's the only name I know from there. Oh my gosh! Isn't oh wait? Isn't there some like uh someone Scarlet maybe? Scarlet O'Hara. Scarlet Windshine, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's something like that. Scarlet Wind Windchime. That was Irish. that's the Irish for sure. The na- right? the Native American version of Gone with the Wind. Yeah, she she played correct. She played um, Scarlet De Havilland. She was also in Captain Blood. No, she actually she was With, uh, she Errol wasn't. Flynn. She, yeah, she wasn't. Yeah, actually, that's true. Yeah, Errol Flynn, that's correct. She she wasn't. Yeah. Oh, actually, it is correct. <laughs> she wasn't. Um, I, guess, I guess Regis uh, doesn't have a successor yet. <laughs> you are correct. She wasn't. Uh, uh, what's her name? Scarlett O'Hara. She was Melanie Hamilton Wilkes. I've never seen that movie. Scarlett O'Hara was uh, what's her name? She's dead. Uh, Rhett oh. Wilson. Olivia Wilde. <laughs> Olivia Wilde played Scarlett O'Hara, I believe. The last bit of I think, news. I think she's on House. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> we didn't get to that season, but that is correct. Thank God. The last season, the last, the the last bit of news that I have for this week is that Jerry O'Connell's kids think that his best role is in a Mariah Carey video. Oh no! That was on page six, and I just, I just probably, shook my head. It's probably the shortest role. Yeah, that's what we have because to see who, the least at. Because who who who's asking for more Jerry O'Connell? Obviously, mm. nobody. Only uh, Melanie O'Connell. That's Jerry O'Connell's wife, Who's I assume. That? I don't know. <laughs> or no, he's he's married to Rebecca, Rebecca Romaine, right? Yeah, Rebecca Romaine Stamos, more like. <laughs> he's still married to her, right? Uh, I, I mean, what what better option does he have out there? <laughs> the the original is he even married mystique. fucking? Uh, is he... <laughs> Go ahead. I just said the original Mystique, right? Yeah, yeah, the original Mystique. Nice. So who's going to marry that fucking guy who played Rembrandt on Sliders? <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember the professor's name. It's Arturo, though. All right, Professor <laughs> Arturo. Yeah. All right, we're watching Sliders. Mr. O'Connell. <laughs> Mr. O'Connell, you blithering idiot. Don't you know you have to reach around first? Oh, Lord. Uh, let's see. Jerry O'Connell is 46. He's still married to Rebecca Romaine. 13 years and going strong. 
And he has a brother named Charlie O'Connell that was in later seasons of Sliders. Of slider. Yes. Good I for you. I still like the episode where that's the game show that's like a athletic and mental pursuit at the same time. I forget what it's called. Yeah, it's a very good slider. episode. It's I, I don't remember. What it's Except called. for the acting. <laughs> it's one of the best episodes. The, the writing's not so great either. It's one of the best episodes of television on TV. Uh, if you don't count most of TV. One of the best episodes of television on TV. <laughs> yep. <laughs> this it's, segment's called Television on TV with Mike and Mark. It's better than all the, the episodes of television on the radio. Well, you mean the band? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think, it's, I think it's technically TV on the radio, but yeah. Oh, God. So, anyway. <laughs> um... The Parents Guide game. That's what we're doing. I've got a movie. I got a movie for you. So, what is it? Uh, it is Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. What? Oh, you finally got me. Actually, we did that we one did before, that I believe. One, yeah, right? yeah. We may have done the one I have, but I don't think so. No, okay. Well, if if uh, if we do, if we did, then that's great. I'm gonna uh, give you. So I'm gonna give you. The profanity first. Uh, one of, just one of the entries is a few N words. Jeez. Okay. Uh, Reservoir Dogs. No. Uh, a girl gives a man the middle <laughs> finger, <laughs> which is a bit of a step down from a few N words. Steely Dan the movie. Ooh. I should have done that one, but no. Uh, various uses of profanities, such as shit and fuck, are heard several times. Not if you're deaf. Actually, actually, technically, Stealing Dan the movie would be Naked Lunch the movie because Stealing Dan's a uh, reference to Naked Lunch. Mm-hmm. That's true. It's a giant steam power, powered dildo from that book. <laughs> yes, that is correct. So it's like a, it's like a steampunk dildo, I guess. Yeah, I don't know much about it, but good for it. <laughs> uh, good for the women. Good for the women of that universe. What'd you say, throbbing cock? Howard the Duck? Oh. But close? <laughs> That's close. No, it's not Howard the Duck. Uh, sex and nudity. There are some comic misunderstandings of sexual, mostly gay nature. Guessing this is a Mel Brooks movie at this point. Oh, that would be a good guess. Or a Zucker Brothers? Is this Airplane? Nope. Uh, graphic sexual exploits are discussed among men, including types of ejaculation, orgasms, and blowjobs. What do you mean, types of ejaculation? <laughs> Hmm. The backward uh, I type? <laughs> I guess, sp- I like, guess. Sp- spraying or... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> There's pretty uh, much I've... one type of ejaculation, right? I guess. <laughs> I mean, am I alone? Or are there a lot of guys out there that have variety? <laughs> that... I mean, you know, they're not all the same uh, same velocity, I wouldn't say. Right, yeah. And probably not the same volume. No, I would say not. I don't measure... No, I never have either. Oh, I got a guess on that one. <laughs> um, see, I would have guessed Kevin Smith movie with the ejaculation comments, but I don't see the inward in a Kevin Smith movie. No, um, it's rare. Yes, Natural Born Killers. No, uh, some male. Oh, actually, 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 wait a second. There is in uh, Clerks too. Yes, that well, is no, true. I, not, not exactly, but it's close. <laughs> some male on male kissing at a rave. 
I believe this is the movie Go. You got it. Yeah. Now that now that you mentioned the, I, I kind of pieced it together with the uh, the whole part with uh, you know uh, Tay Diggs and his conversation, and then the. Uh, yep. You're right about the tantric sex. They didn't mention the ejaculations, which I think one of them actually was inward. Which, yep. which you made a reference to. That is correct. That was a sneaky little clue that I gave you. That's you the sly pickle. The sting. The sting orgasm, as we call it, in the business of tantric sex. Fair enough. I wonder why instead of a uh, briefcase, you had a turquoise bracelet. <laughs> And we and instead of going to uh, business lunches, we walk in fields of gold. That's uh, there you go. That's that's the appropriate reaction <laughs> to that joke. Yeah, my cat came in here to try and kill this cricket in the background, but he gave up very quickly. Oh, okay. <laughs> Lazy cat. Does he hate Mondays? Uh, no, that's not that one. We have another cat that looks like he ate Garfield. Oh, okay. Uh, let's not get the cat talk, because that's an hour worth of uh, chat right there. No kidding. How's speeches, by the way? She's good. We got a carpet for the living room. She hasn't liked coming into the living room very much, because for some reason, she doesn't really like being on furniture. Plus, the dog hangs out in the living room all the time. But we got a carpet for the living room, because we have hard work, hardwood floors throughout our house. And now she likes being in the living room because she likes laying on the carpet. She likes sharpening her claws on the carpet, even though we have something for her to sharpen her claws on. But she does not like to use it. She likes to use everything else. And the dog was laying in her bed and Peaches was on the carpet. And it was the funniest thing because she's so desperate. We play with her a lot. But I really want to get another cat at some point because she really likes to play and she doesn't have anyone else to like anyone else to play with except for like attacking our hands. So she's laying on the carpet and at one point she looks over, she sees the dog, she kind of gets up on her all fours and crouches down a little bit. Then she ran full speed at the dog, stopped right before she got to the dog and then just kind of looked at her. The dog just stared at her because our, our dog is um 14 years old and she's super chill like when dogs when we're taking a walk and dogs are barking she just kind of just stares at them she doesn't bark she doesn't react or anything so she just stares at the cat and the cat just kind of turns away and i can almost see like the disappointment like she was like okay we're gonna play oh well no you don't want to okay and she just walks away and lays <laughs> right, back right. down on the carpet <laughs> yeah they often say with cat with cats it's better to have two uh instead of one just so they are kind of occupied yeah yeah i i think we're going to it's it's tough because my wife and my son are both allergic to cats and that's why we got a um siamese so i'm the, but, fun. but they're hard they're hard to find and and that's the that's the biggest the biggest problem is they're hard to find out there where they don't cost like you know, I don't know, like a couple thousand dollars or something like that. So we, we we're looking through the the different. I don't know if they're still adopting. There's a rescue by us that has had Siamese cats in the past. I mean, it's you can look, they can find them at rescues. You know. Yeah, yeah, we've we've got uh, like feelers out at a bunch of different rescues that will notify cat us if they have <laughs> cat chat with Mark and Mike. Come on, meow. <laughs> All right, I'm ready for my my, right. my film. Clue number one: copious amounts of caffeine. <laughs> Is this Jolt Jolt Soda the movie? 
<laughs> it is. Oh my gosh. He's just reading a bottle. He's just reading a can of Surge that he kept from 1996. <laughs> I'll say. Hmm. Um, I don't know. Mall rats. <laughs> well, this is an actual sins in here, and I think maybe uh, Sinbad might have written this. <laughs> So he's not involved in the movies. So oh. I'm that throw you off. Okay. Just a joke. Just a joke I'm going by. A stereo is smashed with a baseball bat. No further instances of violence towards home appliances. <laughs> that does sound like a Sinbad joke. Uh, Short Circuit 2. No, but I was thinking about that movie earlier today. I love that movie. In, I'll read all the profanity because it doesn't really give you that much. Okay. In frequent use of the word shit in derivatives, which I guess, one instance of fucked in non-sexual context, mm-hmm. milder swearing throughout. Hmm. Is this Jerky Boys, the movie? Uh, no, it's not, you sizzle chest. <laughs> yeah, my name is Saul Rosenberg. An explicit personals ad is read aloud, and some phone responses garnered by the ad are heard. Played for laughs. Hmm. An explicit personal ad. Huh. This sounds familiar. Um. Hmm. True lies. No. All right. Two very brief shots of women in slightly transparent t-shirts. Oh, I like that. Uh, let's see. Transparent t-shirts. I'm still hung up on the um, the uh, explicit ad. Um, is it uh, a scanner darkly? No. All right. Non-explicit scenes of teen boy showering. One boy is chased out of the shower and his bare butt is briefly visible. Wait for laughs. Um, hackers? Hackers! <laughs> I got it from the teenage boy butts. That perked your interest. <laughs> Matt and I were talking earlier. <laughs> I and we were breaking... We were- uh, secret... Uh- Secret genitals. Yeah, we were breaking down uh, scenes in movies with with male male nudity. So that's how I got it. Like that. <laughs> oh, speaking of male nudity, uh, there is none in, <laughs> in what we watched this week. Mike, oh my god, this might be not like sliders. In in all seriousness. This might be sliders. This might be the best, the best episode of television I've ever seen in my life. It, this was fantastic. Isn't it ridiculous how each episode that you're like, oh, there's no way they can do better than that. This was this was stunning in every single aspect of of te- television making, from the cinematography, the use of the camera. Uh, you know, the shot composition and selection, the acting, the writing, 
the you know the storyline um i mean just and the use of symbolism this was insanely good and i the guy that um the guy that played young uh will will reeves um javon adepo i think his name is was fantastic in the, in this episode and has been nominated for an Emmy, which we will talk about well, tomorrow. Good because this is uh, an excellent episode, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so to, to start at the beginning uh, from, from remember last episode where sister Knight basically downed a lethal dose of nostalgia pills uh, in order to get her grandfather's memories. And, the episode will f- frequently cuts between um, Javon Adepo playing a young Will Reeves and Regina King in, you know, in his stead. So every once yeah, in a while, literally seeing this from his perspective. Yes, and sometimes, it, sometimes it's like it is her. Sometimes it's like it is him. And it's interesting. I'd love to go back and watch this episode again. And see where they made all those choices, because I have to imagine that that pretty much all of those are intentional when she kind of comes through. But uh, yeah, so it begins with well, actually, it begins like all of them do with sort of a, a different time perspective. One thing that I like about this, I mean, I am interested to see what happens with Adrian Veidt and everything. But I liked that this episode, and it's basically the only episode that's done it so far, is very solely focused. Obviously, there's a lot going on with time skips and jumps and things like that. But it's basically solely focused on this guy's life, uh, his his early life. And I really enjoyed that. But at the very beginning, we get an episode of the show within a show, uh, American Crime Story, uh, The Minutemen. And we see the character of Hooded Justice, who is a character from uh, Alan Moore's comics, uh, that, uh, and so is the Minutemen. Dave Gibbon and his mysterious uh, non-allowed-to-be-named uh, uh, co-creator. Yes, exactly. You know what I would love? I would love for Alan Moore to watch this series and say what he thinks about it. Oh, for I sure. Think he would, I think he would have to admit this is a really, really good uh, adaptation. Yeah, Absolutely. That takes nothing away from the uh, original and only adds to it. Correct. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. But uh, in the in the comics, from my memory, Hooded Justice was never revealed. They there were I think there was like a circus strongman or something like that. that yeah, they there suspected. was suspicion that he's a Russian strongman that was later found shot in the head in the river. That mm-hmm. a lot of people think was him, but they never really verified it. But he was the first like caped or, or masked vigilante in this world and it's revealed in the course of this episode fairly early in the course of this episode that will reeves uh angela abar's grandfather was hooded justice and he basically colored the area around his the skin around his eyes uh white so it appeared when he had the hood on and everything that he was white uh basically so and- thought about this too and i've thought about i'm sorry to interrupt I no, no, about a lot about the series mm-hmm. all right Assuming that Halloween goes off, you know, like normal this year. Yeah. If you go as Hooded Justice. Oh, God. Are you in blackface? Oh, that's a very interesting question. I mean, first of all, you're wearing a, lit, a noose around your neck, so that's not good to begin with. Right. 
Um, hmm. I don't know. I I would say technically it's not blackface. Is it appropriate? I mean, I don't know. I guess that's up to every individual. Catch me doing it. Yeah, I probably wouldn't do it either, but I also wouldn't get in a twist if somebody did it. So who knows? But yeah, so what happens is it begins with him graduating from the police academy, and he's one of the first uh, black police officers in New York. Uh, the, yeah, the, the the chief, I think it is, the police is going around pinning and you know saying some nice words of encouragement mm-hmm. to everybody, and he just literally skips Will Reeves, you know, no comment on it. You know, Will yep. Reeves doesn't look shocked. And uh, Af- uh, African American, uh, you know, member of the police force, then comes up to Will Reeves and get bestows the honors upon him, but he. Mm-hmm. Leans in and says, "Beware the Cyclops." Yeah, which which must really piss my friend Matt off because he loves Cyclops. <laughs> I mean, is there a worse superhero than Cyclops? He shoots lasers out of his eyes, and he's a good leader. Yeah, <laughs> I I've never liked Cyclops. I've always thought he was lame, but and then he's banging Jean Grey. Yeah, he's it, Imagine like what Jean Grey could do with her telekinesis in the bedroom. If you know what I mean, I don't mean fucking uh, fitting sheets or anything. Right, exactly. Mm. But yeah, I mean, like Scott Summers, if if his glasses are taken off, he's rendered useless, basically. And he's equally useless with the mom. Yeah. Oh my god, what am I gonna do? Ugh, so annoying. <laughs> yeah. I hear. But yeah, so he's supposed to be aware of Scott Summers or some other kind of Cyclops. We'll find out. <laughs> Except episode of. <laughs> it's a cliffhanger. Uh, and Mike, don't walk into that elevator shaft. Um, and <laughs> so Wait, a little boy's got a snow globe. Ed Bigley Jr. Do do do. Listen to that episode. It's a great episode with Ed Bigley Jr. Oh, no, it, it, it went pretty well. I thought. Yeah, like mm-hmm. how he, even he's like, ah, he didn't quite say it, but he did not care for that either. No, he really didn't. I love it. Going, what the fuck? I love that he didn't like it. I really do, because <laughs> I love that show, but I really don't like that ending. Yeah, he's a, he's couldn't be a nicer guy. Oh, absolutely, he's the best. And in basically every television show that's funny ever. Yeah, he appears in the office. I totally forgot about that. They're just like the like the last episode. They're like, "Hey, Ed Bigley Jr. hasn't been in this yet. We can't be considered one of the funniest shows if we don't have Ed Bigley Jr. So put him in here." I kind of gave up in the office, like I said, around when Andy came along. Uh, was mm-hmm. it just like a cameo, or yeah, he was a cameo at the end. He plays Ellie Kemper's long lost father. Oh, you know, I think I saw that. Yeah, it's funny because it's not it's not much of a role. I mean, obviously he gives it he gives it his all, like he does everything. But it's like there's not a lot there on the page for him, and it's really weird because it's like it's not like she's exceptionally tall or anything like that. Like they like they needed him for that. It's you know it. it I'm not saying that that the parts necessarily like below him or anything because I'm sure he wouldn't think that. Um, but it's just like it's weird that they got a guest star of his caliber for what amounts to fairly little uh, role. Sure. But yeah, I really kind of think that they were just like, we want to work with Ed Bigley Jr. (laughs) I feel like that happens a lot of times when, when there's guest stars, people are like, I just want to work with this person. So uh, that's who we want to cast. Hey, hey, 
I just realized something. I think you and I both have a Kevin Bacon number now. Oh my God, we do. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> We're connected to Kevin Bacon. Uh, we'll have to figure it out later. It's probably like very close. I'm sure they've been in the same thing together. Oh, yeah. If not him, Kevin Bacon's been in something with Jeff Goldblum, right? Nah. And Ed Begley Jr. and Jeff Goldblum were in Transylvania 65,000. Anywho, so... Yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. I was just going to continue along with the episode. If you want. Do you want to say something else about Ed Begley Jr. and what our Kevin Bacon number is? Not not yet? Not yet. (laughs) Okay. I, I figured I figured you're doing that. So anyway, uh, he becomes, uh, you know, a police officer. And one of the first nights on his job, it's pr- presumably it's one of the first nights on his job. He sees this fat asshole <laughs> across the street lighting a Molotov cocktail and just throwing it at a delicatessen. And he comes up to him and says, hey, what are you doing? I mean, what a jerk. <laughs> he really was. I did not like this guy at all, but I mean, I guess that was the point. He's Will Reeves comes up to me. He's like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, you know, yeah, yeah. I've set that Jewish delicatessen on fire. Fuck those people. And he's like, okay, uh, I'm going to take you in. And he's like, well, I'm not getting arrested, boy, or whatever. He Like he calls him boy. And he takes him in. There's a little bit of a scuffle. And the guy, the big guy, he goes, Hey, this guy says I did this. I didn't. It's a case of mistaken identity. Who are you gonna believe me? Who are you gonna believe me or this black dude? But he, he doesn't say that. And he makes like a weird, like little symbol, like a little hand gesture mm-hmm. on his head. Yeah, it's sort of like, like the yeah, OK symbol that uh, that the yeah. white supremacists do now. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's it's also like you know, like a, almost like a nod to the secret societies and masons and. Mm-hmm. As, as the episode unfolds, we find that very much there is a secret society in place. It's it's the most obvious secret society symbol, though. Like, they couldn't be more obvious with it. Well, that's because they can act with impunity. Yeah, well, for sure. It does kind of show the hey, brazenness of their organization. Hey, Mark, do you want to, want to guess what our bacon number is? <sighs> three. It's three. Oh, nice. I got it. We were on massive late fee with that Bigley Jr. Right. He was in blue collar with Harry Belliver, who was in Hero at Large with Kevin Bacon. Nice. Oh, my God. That is amazing. That's, that's kind of crazy. We can be connected to Ed Bigley Jr. now. Like, oh, hey, we, we know Ed Bigley Jr. You know, you know Harry Belliver? You were in Hero at Large with them? They work together. He's like, yeah, that's right, guys. Oh, my God. Oh, wait. No, that doesn't work. I was going to say my mind is blown because Ed Bagley Jr. has been on our show now. Does that mean that we're part of the uh, the uh, Tommy Westfall universe? But Ed Bagley didn't appear on our show as if he was uh, Victor Erlock from from uh, I think I think we're good St. elsewhere. He appeared as himself. We almost linked. We almost linked actual reality with with fictional reality. Oh, it's funny because you're correct. He was Ed Bigley was in Stay Hungry with Jeff Bridges, mm. who is an RIPD, whatever that is, with Kevin Bacon. But you said Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, I did. Those are two easy ones to get confused. Oh. He was in a movie uh, with Eddie Albert that was who was in the big picture with, with uh, Kevin Bacon. Nice. 
Yeah, both of these guys are so prolific. We just do this all day, I think. Yeah, we have several connections uh, all by threes, too, to Kevin Bacon. Oh, my goodness. Oh, he was in uh, Raising Genius with Tippy Hedren. So we have a Hedren number of uh, two. Nice. That means we've got a Melanie Griffith number as well. <laughs> in, a, in a Antonio, how you say, Banderas. That's right. Oh, we have a Jack Lemon of two. <laughs> I want the rest of this episode to just be different famous people in our number. We have a Jack Lemon of two. Tippy Hedron of two, we mentioned. Yeah. <clears throat> We've got an Eddie Albert of two or one. We have, a, we have a Candace Bergen of two. Oh, nice. That means we have an Edgar Bergen number as well. We've mentioned him several times on there. At least I have several times on the show. Charlie McCarthy and Edgar Bergen. Oh, nice. We have a uh, we have a Bruce McGill of two, but that's because he was in a movie with uh, Ed Bigley Jr. called Murder, She Purred, a Mrs. Murphy mystery. <laughs> I like Bruce McGill. That, that connects us to Scott Bakula then from Quantum Leap. Hey, 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 even better. Ed Bigley Jr. was in a mighty wind. Yes, that is I, I that is true. We've got a Christopher Guest number. And think of who else we have. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Fred Willard. Rest in peace. Yep, absolutely. Oh yeah, we didn't. We never mentioned that to him, but he did work with Fred Willard. Oh yeah. We probably should have brought that up. You guys ever go to the movies together? <laughs> Could you have imagined his reaction? And he'd, he'd be like, "A mighty wind, more like a mighty rain." <laughs> Talk about different types of ejaculation. Yes, speaking volumes. <laughs> I think he did Tantra. Oh, my God. Oh, so, Will Reeves. He, um, Eddie, played by Eddie Albert. That's correct. <laughs> he, he basically, he goes, he, he's walking around and he's talking to a, a guy that's got a newsstand thing and he's looking at, I believe, the Superman comic which came out in 1939, so that makes sense. And then the fat asshole kind of... You know, uh, Ghostbusters, uh, Ed Bailey Jr. was in Ghostbusters, the remake, which had cameos from almost all the originals. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So we've got a, we've got a Bill Murray number. Mike, how does that make you feel? Not great, but we also have a... Um, we have some connection to uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger because he was in a movie with Robert Patrick. Oh yeah, that's right. Can we get can we get a uh, free Crystal Head vodka? By the way, from Dan, since we have a Dan Aykroyd number, I think I think so. I want to write to to Dan Aykroyd and say, hey, we have a connection through Ed Begley Jr. I'd like everything nice. of Crystal Head vodka. He says you're a good man. Also, I believe aliens are real. Damn it. Yep, and we'll we'll talk about your Crystal Head vodka if you send it to us. It's glycol free, right? There's no antifreeze in it. Come on, you webtoed freak. Oh, my goodness. How's, uh, what's her name? Not Bonnie Bedelia. Uh, what's his wife? Donna Dixon. How's Donna Bruce Dixon Lewis? doing? I don't know. They're still married. Good for him. I'm not sure who that is. She's a uh, blonde actress. She, you ever seen the movie Spies Like Us? Nope. Uh, well, well, what do you think? She's a <laughs> Oh, we have a Whoopi Goldberg of three. Oh, wait a second. I got one. Um, Freaking Wayne's World 2. You know Wayne's World 2, right? 
Yeah. Remember the girl that Wayne falls in love with? You know, Abraham Lincoln and all that shit? You mean Tia Career? No, 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 no. Garth. Oh, Garth. Isn't that, uh, what's her name? Uh, shit. Kim Bassinger? I said I thought that was Donna Dixon. That might be the first one. Or maybe, I don't, I don't remember. But listen to this. This is going to blow your mind, and I'll stop after this because I, I, I could go on forever. Uh, Ed Bagley Jr. was in a movie with Condi Alexander. Condi Alexander, who is that? Isn't Condi Alexander from News Radio? Candy, maybe. Um. Hmm. I'm not oh, sure. Lord. Yes, she was Catherine on News Radio. You doofus. <laughs> I'm sorry that I don't remember Catherine from News Radio's real name just off the top of my head. How dare you? <laughs> also, she was in the corner, which gives us connections to everybody on the wire. Oh, nice. Yeah, we got cred now, brah. Uh, so Donna Dixon was in Bosom Buddies. That's right. She was one of the stars. The movie Dr. Detroit, Twilight Zone, the movie Spies Like Us, Who's the Boss? <laughs> Moonlighting, no, no, the TV show. Who's the boss? The movie. Uh, Tony starts up a competing advertising (laughs) firm. (laughs) Moonlighting, the couch trip, Lucky Stiff, Speed Zone, also known as the Cannonball Run Three. That's true. She's in the third Cannonball Run movie, and she is in Wayne's World. That's right, the Dream Woman in Wayne's World. In the first one? Yes, the original one, sorry. I thought that was uh I don't know why I thought it was Kim Bassinger. They they look similar. I can totally see why you thought that. Maybe huh, that's weird because I could I I would have sworn uh on your life that that was Kim Bassinger. <laughs> well, it's a good thing you didn't, because you were wrong. Would have freed up my Tuesdays though. Oh my goodness, that's true. <laughs> I mean Thursdays and Fridays. Yeah, whenever this come out. By the way, uh, for those of you that care, uh, Retro Late Fee's got a website now, RetroLateFee.com. Mike, I was thinking of making one for us. Would you care if I made one for us? No, I don't care. Go ahead. All right. So that might happen. <laughs> but anyway, this fatso, he, he, <laughs> he hits Will and like taunts. Like He does that thing where he walks by and he's like, oh, sorry, like because he intentionally hit him. And then he says, uh, he kind of smiles at him. He's like, oh, hey, I'm out. And Will's all pissed. So he comes in. And he's like, what's going on? And he's like, hey, shut the fuck up, man. You better shut up. Shut up, man. The desk sergeant or whatever. He's like, I'm trying to save your life, man. And then they don't care. He does shut up and leaves and goes home. But they don't care anyway. And they grab him. The the, yeah, uh, the, booking, the booking the officers who booked him they're, they're walking you know driving down the road they hey come get a drink he's like no I'm okay you mm-hmm. know thank you yeah and they're like oh are you sure you really it, it'll really turn out better for you if you do he's like no <laughs> you know he's 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 wisely wary uh, you know to be a black man and uh mm-hmm. and, and you know in the north or anywhere to be honest with you during the the era to not get into a car with a bunch of white men even if they are fellow police officers All right. So they do. However, they don't give him the choice. No, they they snatch him. They put a, a hood over his head. They put a noose around his neck. They string him up, and you know it's he's it's like he's gonna die. And then they cut him down. And they say, "Look, next time, if you don't shut your fucking mouth, we're not gonna cut the rope." And then they let him go. And as he's walking home, 
uh, you know, distraught and fucking just like in shock. Basically, he sees a yeah, couple he's wondering if he's going to be on the uh, the next season of Power or not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's not the right show, though. So unfortunately, he's uh, he what sees show he sees Jesse Jesse Smollett. <laughs> right. Um, no, he. I don't even remember what that show was called. The it's called what's it called? Uh, Empire. There you go, Empire. Empire yeah. of Power. That's right. With Jesse Smollett. Now you know, and knowing's half the battle. He he sees a couple being assaulted by these dudes, and so he puts on the hood. I don't know exactly why he puts on the hood, but he puts on the hood and he beats the fuck out of these guys to hide his identity. <laughs> No, he he is still his identity. You know, he doesn't want them to know that he. You know, if they get you know to recognize him, and also they, he doesn't want them to know he's black. I think. Yeah, I think that's what it is. I think he wants so to he hide just, his blackness. He just has all this anger, and like we we see him and this woman that he lives with that we mm-hmm. know he later becomes his wife that we later discover is the uh, the baby the little girl from the first episode. Yeah, the yeah. Ba- it's so weird. He married the baby. Right. But I mean, it, it is weird because usually when you grow up with somebody that close in age, you know, you don't have that sort of, you know, feeling. So right. if you look at Pornhub, apparently that's not a universal feeling at all. <laughs> I don't understand that at all. That's such a weird thing. It is like the most, the, I probably the most downloaded fetish out there. It used to be MILFs and now it's, it's like some weird family thing because it used to be MILFs and now it's. It's stepsisters or whatever, and stepmoms, I think, are on there. Like that that uh, comedy thing that I told you about, where it's like, come on, stepbrother. <laughs> Why do you keep calling me that? My name's Josh. <laughs> but yeah, it's really weird. I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, so, you know, they grow up, they get married, they have their own children. Um, he, he's actually sought out by uh, Captain Metropolis of mm-hmm. the... Uh, is it the Minutemen, I believe? Yes, That's that is correct. correct. Right? Yep. Yeah, so Captain Metropolis shows up. He's like, oh, he's he's asking him if he could tell him the location of this Hood of Justice. Uh, Captain Metropolis himself can't quite believe that Will himself is actually Hood of Justice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like, I know that you're the cop that's feeding Hood of Justice's information. <laughs> and it's like, uh, he, yeah, he doesn't suspect that, that Will's Hood of Justice right away. Um, and there's a in Hooded Justice, as Captain Metropolis points out, is like the first one to do this. He's basically the Superman of this world. Yeah, he's the one that inspired all of them, and he wants them on the team. Him being on the team gives them legitimacy. As we later find out, Captain Metropolis is not so much about the crime fighting as he is about the capitalizing on uh, bank sponsorships and shit like that. With uh, Dollar Bill and some of these other fucking uh, heroes, yeah, which, which is it, these are all characters original to the comics. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it is the first team Hood of Justice, obviously as well. And then we abruptly cut to uh, Hood of Justice and uh, Captain Metropolis in bed together. Yeah, uh, apparently Will Reeves has some other things he's been suppressing. Yep, and, and you know Captain Metropolis figures it out right away. And yeah, they begin an affair, which is uh, hinted at in the. You know, in the beginning, the the beginning of the American crime story, Minutemen thing, um, well, more than hinted at. I mean, they they flat out say it. But I I like this shot when they when they're first assembled all together and Hooded Justice comes in and Captain Metropolis is there. I really like how they handle this shot where they show the whole team and you can see the comedians there. You can see the original Silk Spectre. 
uh, you can see, I think, I think you can kind of make out the, the first night owl and, but they're all there. It's very hazy in the background. It's basically just an, like, it, it's just almost like an impressionist work of art where it's like, it's sure. hinted at enough. So like, you know, that's who it is, but they don't put a solid face to it because they don't yeah, want just smart because they yeah. know later they might have these characters. If you know, there is a second season mm-hmm. or if they, or whatever, if they do something else, plus they don't want to, you know, if they, let's say they got, what's his name? Uh, he, what's his, what is his name? Harry Thomas Dean Anderson. What is his name? Uh, yeah. Richard Dean Anderson. I believe the guy that played the comedian, <laughs> Stanton? Henry Dean Stanton? No, Robert Morgan maybe is in there? Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Yeah, there it is. Jeffrey Dean Morgan. That's his name. Uh, It's hard to remember people with three names that aren't serial murderers. Right, it is. But if they get Jeffrey Dean Morgan, then it's like, oh, so this is connected to the movie universe, which they obviously don't want to do because it's it's not connected to the movie universe at all. Uh, It's connected to the comic book universe clearly but not to the movie universe so they don't you know and and if they recast it then it's you know it like you said who knows what they want to do in the future i I just i really liked the way that they that they made this shot to where it's like you know who's there but they don't have to show anyone's face sure and and rightly they focus on uh, the two because Mm -hmm. he's almost immediately betrayed by captain metropolis because part of the condition for joining the team is he wants to expose this uh, conspiracy about the cyclops right yeah, because he does, he does, he breaks into, or he follows them to a, what's he following to? Some like, uh, I don't know if that, does that happen yet? I think what happens first, I could be wrong. I don't have the recap up in front of me, but mm-hmm. he's called, there's like a horrific riot at a movie theater. Well, before, is that, is that what it is? Or is, no, no, no. Before, before that, like he follows them down to a, something like a like a grocery store or something and he beats a bunch of them up and that's where he sees the book about um mesmerizing and he kind of sees like some maps of some plants we get a vague idea that something's going on but he doesn't uh get a chance to stay because uh, the grocer pulls out a shotgun and starts shooting at him and he's got to crash through the window where everything freezes (laughs) Which is at the at the uh, beginning, uh, which is much like in the comic, they had the story within a story with the mm-hmm. Black Freighter, the uh, the hooded, or I'm sorry, the Minutemen TV show shows the same event, but they don't even you know make any reference to the fact that there was like a racist connection to this grocery store. It's just him going in, and even in the the show, he's just so violently beating these men, basically beating them to death with his fists. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so when he when he crashes through, we stop, and it's Angela Abar. And uh, Lori is there and basically saying to her, hey, you know, you've taken a lethal dose of this shit. You're in a you know, you're here at the precinct. Uh, We're trying to get you out of this. The doctors say maybe this will help your your husband. Calvin's going to come out and read some stuff. And uh, Calvin comes on and basically says, you know, hey, you're Angela Abar. I'm your husband. You were born uh, in Saigon. We met in Vietnam. And, and he kind of like goes down her life story and everything, talks about their kids. And he keeps like repeating it over and over again because so, she's in a coma in real life. But her, as Lori points out, but your eyes are wide open. It's really freaky. <laughs> right. Jean Smart is so fucking good in this show. Yeah, she's so, she's, I mean, her and uh, her looking glass alone are basically like, 
I love to see those two characters in like a buddy, like noir comedy. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. But so uh, she kind of, she just, clo- Angela closes her eyes and goes back into the fantasy or the memory world. That it's not a fantasy world, but the memory world that she's, she's in. So she slips farther into this, into this coma. And then, and then we continue. And then, like you said, he gets, you know, it's going along. He's having this affair. Uh, he has a son. We, there's, there's, there's a mon. This is another beautifully shot thing. There's a montage. That's not a montage. You see some shots, you know, he's sitting at the, the uh, mirror and he's painting his eyes. His son's growing up around him. Basically, uh, you know, he'll go out and do stuff. And it it doesn't feel like a like a cookie cutter montage, but that's basically what it is. It's it's showing us that years uh, are going by that, you know, he's he's doing this kind of crime fighting thing and, and being a police officer at the same time. Another thing that we haven't mentioned so far, but throughout this entire episode, just it's like randomly on the street or or you know by the movie theater obviously which makes a lot of sense his mom's just playing the piano like from the first episode where she played the piano at the movie theater as he's walking by she's just she's there and it just kind of shows that this stuff is always in his mind you know what he witnessed as a very little boy which it would be obviously is always uh in his mind but yeah, then he goes to the movie theater where a group of black people started attacking each other for seemingly no reason. And one of the and white kind of tell him like, "Yeah, you go in." Yeah. You go in and deal with them. He's like, and he's like, "What happened?" And he goes, "The same thing that happens when you put a bunch of animals together. They fucking like attacked each other or whatever." So he goes in and he t- the Detroit Free Press's uh, comment section on their Facebook page. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he talks to a woman that's in there who basically says the movie came on. We started hearing a voice and the voice was telling me to do things and to hurt people. And I started doing it. And he realizes this is some fucking plot that's going on. So he tries to call Captain or he calls Captain Metropolis and try and says, hey, we got to get the team out here about this. And Captain Metropolis is like, yeah, we're not really we're not really about that. If you want to come over here and fuck, that'd be great. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So it's clear he's using him for sex and using him for his status as the first hooded vigilante or adventurer, as they like to be called, but that he doesn't really care about him or his cause or helping black people or anything like that. So he goes by himself to the meatpacking industry. He's there at the meatpacking industry. He's basically he's kind, sure of, is. <laughs> he's kind of tracked them down there and guess who's there fatty. And he's like, Hey, you're not supposed to be here. I know all the cops that walk this beat. There's only one thing you'd be here for free so meat. Wait, you, yeah. 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 <laughs> he's, he's like trying to bribe slash lure him into a, uh, you know, an area to probably kill him. Right. So he's like, ah, oh, come on, get some free meat. Although, uh, you know, you you must have a lot of meat, right? Black guys have big penises joke. Oh, Lord. And then uh, he goes, and then, then what happens is the thing I was waiting for the whole episode, the whole time, as he's hooded justice. I'm thinking like, yeah, you're beating people up with your fists. That's awesome. But you're a cop. You know you got a gun, right? Like it doesn't have to be this hard, and he's like, "Hey, is that your your uh, your meatpacking plan or whatever?" He goes, "Yeah," and then uh, he pulls out his gun and shoots him in the head. 
And then he breaks down the door and shoots all the other fucking Ku Klux Klan people in the head. Right. And then he breaks into where this the the main dude, the one we saw at the beginning of the episode, the main cop, is making these tapes of, you know, like, hey, kill each other. Don't kill white people. Kill each other. And and keep doing it until, yeah, yeah. you know, you see blood all over your hands or whatever. He's making these these things. And I, I've, I'm proud of myself because I was counting the bullets. And I'm like, as he's walking up to him, I'm like, he's got to be out at this point, right? And credit to the show, he he you know pulls the trigger and click because he is out of bullets so he takes the microphone cord and strangles him to death with it it was one of the most satisfying fucking sequences i've seen because the whole time i was thinking to myself just shoot him (laughs) shoot the racist assholes and he does a great job of conveying you know what what will reese feels all the time where you you know as a viewer you're feeling it feeling it for like maybe half the episode because half the episode you're not really sure what's going on yeah and it's like i mean you just have this rage against like you know just like this whole it's i mean it's again institutionalized you know the whole police force mm-hmm. is involved which i mean to some degree and i'm sure even today there's a, quite a few police forces you know especially in uh the south that probably do have more racist than non-racist yeah and and it does it without preaching at you it does it without hitting anything over the head it's just no no it's very matter of fact just plays it as it is and it's just really solid good writing it's it's excellent and then um, we go, we we flash to uh, more modern day, where an older Will Reeves, Luke Gossett Jr., is sitting in his wheelchair as the, the scene that we saw part of, you know, we're seeing it from a different perspective at this point, play out, with Don Johnson's uh, chief of police ro- rolling over the, uh, the spike strip and getting the, uh, like a flashlight, sh- you know, basically rhythmically shot in his face. Because we, as we see, uh, after he murders all those people, he puts them in a like a pile. He lights the entire thing on fire. But before he does that, he takes one of the cameras with him uh, to to study. I would imagine. Uh, at the same time, his wife and son leave for Tulsa because they feel as if I think she feels as if he's just lost in his anger, like that that. Sure. He's yeah, he's yeah, obsessed sure. and he's never going to be able to be pulled out of it. And, you know, I mean, that's probably true. So he's made some sort of device that's able to mesmerize people. And he we see how he did it. He convinced he like he mesmerized Don Johnson to hang himself. And that's yeah. uh, that's basically where the episode ends. Yeah. And it's just like I said, it's fantastic. The cinematography, the use of shadow and light. Uh, the way there are a few scenes where the camera moves in one continuous motion uh, that that is beautiful, like when he's walking out of the the nightclub where he's talking to uh, you know who becomes his wife, and we see the pian- his mother playing the piano and everything, and it just kind of the camera glides along the the street. It go- comes out the door and glides along the street. It's it's a fantastic shot. There's there's like every aspect of the way you make film or TV shows is, is on display at, at the very top of its game in this episode. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a show that keeps surprising you. Yeah. So I, I can't wait till next week as usual. Um, but that is, that is it for the, for the episode. Mike, you got anything you want to tell the people? Nope. All right. Well, we will see you next time then. Bye. <laughs>